Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, May 29th, and we are talking about the ongoing war between Microsoft and Slack. I'm your host, Don Lewis, and I am joined by Fool.com's marvelously mediocre Brian Feroldi. I like that alliteration on your title there, Brian. You wrote I, that. I didn't. <laughs> I figured you would appreciate that, Dylan. I'm trying to mix it up. For the, for the unacquainted, uh, Brian likes to mix up how he has me introduce him uh, <laughs> with every single show, and it always winds up underselling him, which puts him in a position to over-deliver as we do the show, and he always does. Um, so I'm happy to be joined by, again, Brian. We're going to be talking about Microsoft and Slack because there was a wonderful interview with Slack CEO uh, Stuart Butterfield that was out recently with The Verge. Very insightful, really good lens into how he looks at the business and um, really the competitive dynamic between Microsoft and Slack. But before we get into that, Brian, I mentioned that it's May 29th, a.k.a. 529, a.k.a. National College Savings Day. You know, we're all about financial literacy. we got to put a little PSA out there on the 529 program, Brian. Yeah, I don't think everyone listened knew that it was National College Savings Day. So if you have kids and you don't have a 529, you have no excuse. Go open one up today. Today is the day. And, and today and really this week is, is a great time to get started because if you search your local state um, and 529, it is very possible that they have either a sweepstakes running where they are giving you know a couple thousand dollars or $529 because uh, they're leaning into the, the bid a little bit to a bunch of people that have applied to the sweepstakes for the contest. There are other states that are doing $50 matches on starting accounts with $50 if you set up recurring payments down the road. So just a little PSA. Get some free bonus money out there if you haven't already set one up for your kids and you're planning on doing it anyways. Great time to start. Uh, With that nice amicable kind of intro out of the way, Brian, we can get to the feud between Slack and Microsoft. Um, And and Slack is probably a business that a lot of people know pretty well. We use it here at The Fool all the time. Let's give a quick intro, though, for the folks that are uninitiated. Yeah, so Slack Slack is a uh, business communication tool. It was uh, launched in 2013, and it's used to send uh, messages uh, back and forth. You can easily use it to uh, collaborate, to build teams, to disassemble teams, to share files. When new people come on, it's easy to catch them up uh, with what's been happening on a project. Uh, So it's a wonderful uh, collaboration and creativity tool. Uh, We've used it at The Fool uh, for years. We absolutely love it. Uh, By using it, it has significantly cut down on uh, email communications and prior to this company coming public, uh, they came public in June of 2019, or uh, in the middle of 2019. Uh, we did a, a deep dive on their uh, their S1. Uh, that was on June 19th. But if listeners want uh, that information, industryfocus at fool.com, we'll be happy to send them a link. That's where you can get us. And you can get us there with questions as well. Um, you know, We love hearing from people, getting ideas for shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I think for someone who didn't know Slack and maybe hadn't had the hands-on experience, it would be very easy to stare at it and be like, it sounds a lot like an instant messaging service. Like, how, how is this a real business? Like, AOL had this, had to sunset it because there wasn't the interest there. Um, and really, it, it 
at core is messaging, but it's much more structured and organized messaging. It's it's kind of building project groups, it's building channels around specific topics, and it's making document management and that kind of stuff a lot easier for people that are working on projects together. Dylan, it just warms my heart that you know what AOL instant messaging is. <laughs> uh, but yes, as, a, as, a, as someone that depended on instant messaging uh, throughout basically college, uh, Skype is basically that, but super useful, super built out, has tons of integrations. It's very easy to share files with each other, to get comments from multiple people, to build teams, to disassemble teams. So it's basically instant messenger on steroids on steroids. And they have followed the tried and true tech path of maybe the last decade or so with that freemium approach. You have the free version and the paid version of the product. Um, you know, Very often what they do is offer that free version, get enterprise customers in early, You know, maybe people that are you know, kind of more in the startup world, grow as the business grows and as their usage grows. And they also have some people that are using it more for personal purposes. But we're generally going to be looking at the enterprise side of this business because um, that's where the money is for them. You know, the, the free side is maybe a hopeful chance to convert people, but really they're going to be making most of their money inking big deals with big customers in the corporate space. And that's exactly what we've seen them do, Dylan. And the freemium model total makes sense here because uh, having one person in an organization use Slack is useless. You really need everybody using Slack for this tool to be to be useful. So whatever they can do to get those network effects going in a, in a business uh, as soon as possible uh, is is key to this company's success. And we've seen some pretty good numbers out of this company uh, so far. And to give listeners a sense of scale, uh, in, uh, in the last fiscal year, uh, they did $630 million, uh, in revenue. That was 57% uh, growth over the prior year. Uh, the margins here are just fantastic. 85% growth. Uh, margin. Uh, they are spending big to kind of build out their offering, Dylan. We saw uh, SG&A was $630 million, the same as revenue. Uh, R&D was $400 million, um, so they bit up a big operating loss, but a huge chunk of that, no surprise, stock-based compensation, $426 million in stock-based compensation. So uh, the numbers look pretty ugly, but on a cash basis, they're not nearly as bad. I think tech investors, specifically folks that are focusing in the uh, the software space, have gotten used to this. You got to spend money to make money type approach with these early high growth software companies. You know, the thought is we'll make the money later. Let's really focus on building out our customer base, making sure that we're not too reliant on any one customer and that they don't become such a critical part of our revenue share um, that we're really reliant on them. And then also, you know, kind of striking while the iron's hot. The reality is, if you create a space, and I think Slack kind of did this. Um, if you create an enterprise software segment, other people very quickly are going to realize that it's a pretty darn good idea and they're going to hop in. And so unless you can grab as much land as possible as early as you can, uh, very quickly you're going to realize there's not too much to grab. Yeah, uh, Stuart Butterfield uh, pointed this out in the in the interview that we're going to be covering. He basically said uh, companies didn't have a budget for Slack ahead of time, so they kind of went in and have to sell their product uh, as a as a whole new category to go, to go after. And the numbers clearly show they're they're having uh, success at that. So uh, this is a company with a uh, hundred and ten thousand uh, paid customers that was up twenty five percent last year. Uh, almost nine hundred customers are paying more than a hundred thousand dollars. Seventy of them paying more than a million dollars. And Dylan, the number that we both love to see here, net dollar revenue retention rate, 132%. That means they're getting 32% more revenue from their existing customers each year. A great business model. 
Yeah, put another way, without any new customer acquisition, they're still growing that business over 30%, which is pretty incredible. Um, we're not going to spend too, too much time on the financials just because um, we've done it before and we want to get into this competitive dynamic with Microsoft. Um, the, the thing that a lot of people will look at for something like this, Brian, is um, the user base, right? That's, that's kind of like the lifeblood of all of these platform businesses. Um, unfortunately for Slack, we don't really get a great daily active number from them. Um, they've updated it a little bit here and there as things have kind of gone along with them as a business. We do know that they have about 12.5 million concurrent users, which I have to imagine is less than daily actives, though I'm not 100% sure how they're calculating that number. Um, one company that does provide us a daily active number is Microsoft, which is kind of the chief competitor for Slack. And they reportedly have 75 million daily active users up from, wait for it, 32 million in early March. That's pretty incredible. Just, just crazy to to think about, and the and the even more crazy thing is that uh, Microsoft uh, Teams, uh, again, that their 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 Slack competitor, uh, was launched several years after Slack. So this was in response to Slack, launched after it, and they have basically gone parabolic with their uh, their user growth. So uh, no surprise to see that investors uh, have some questions about: uh, Is this a Slack killer? Yeah, and that's been the lingering question as this company's gone public. You know, we we tend to see a lot of fanfare around the IPOs that are consumer facing. And you look back at last year and there were a lot of them, right? There there was Lyft, there was Uber, uh, you know, there was Slack and and there's so much expectation built into an IPO period. But then you add the fact that like people actually know what the company is and they know what they do and maybe they even use the company. You have this host of uh, you know retail investors that are possibly interested, and you also have all this additional coverage because news outlets love talking about these highly valued private companies. Um, the big question throughout the roadshow, and I think throughout the first year really that this company has been publicly traded, is as we get a sense of what their books look like with these quarterly updates. Are they going to get burned by Microsoft? And are they going to wind up really having their lunch eaten by a much larger company? Surprisingly, Slack CEO Stuart Butterfield said that Microsoft Teams isn't really a competitor to Slack, which seems a little counterintuitive. Yeah, this was about a month ago on, a, on an interview. He said, quote unquote, Microsoft Teams isn't a competitor to Slack. Uh, but then... But then, Dylan, uh, just uh, a few days ago, uh, we actually saw an, in an interview that he did with um, uh, The Verge, and he basically said that inside Slack, uh, Microsoft is quote unquote has a quote unquote unhealthily preoccupied with killing us, and Teams is the vehicle to doing that. So that's a little bit of double talk, uh, if you ask me. And again, uh, when we ran through this company, when we when we uh, and dug into the details on Slack initially, I think both of us came away pretty impressed with the growth that we were seeing, the stickiness that we were seeing. We both liked the product. Uh, but to me, this has always been the big, the big question mark here. So it is telling that Butterfield has said, Microsoft isn't a competitor, and Microsoft is, calling to, uh, is, 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 is trying to kill us. Yeah, and, and I think the way to parse that is, uh, in Butterfield's view, it's like the... The firm view for Slack is Microsoft is not a competitor. Like we do different things. I think he's saying here Microsoft views Slack as a competitor, and they want to do everything they can to destroy this company. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's that that's fair. And 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 so 
just so we're clear, um, the reason he doesn't view teams as a direct competitor uh, is because Slack is a is primarily a, a messaging tool. And if you look at teams, uh, the, the primary use for teams, while it does have messaging capabilities, uh, it seems to be more integration with, uh, with video uh, and voice calls. So in Butterfield's mind, teams is a bigger competitor to a company like Zoom uh, than it is necessarily uh, to Slack. And, and you know, at, here at The Fool, we, we, we use Slack. Uh, it's, a, it's a tool that we use. And we also use, a, we use Zoom. We're on Zoom right now, uh, Dylan. So we, we certainly uh, have, have used both features. Uh, we don't use Teams, but it's, it's interesting to see if we did use Teams, which one of those would be impacted? Which, which usage of which one would be impacted at our company? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've never used any of the calling features in Slack, to, to Butterfield's point on this. And, and I think that it's a good one. Um, what's interesting is we also pay for the office suite, right? Like we have, we have access to all this other stuff for our, for our full-time employees, um, including Outlook. And, you know, that's kind of our main scheduling resource. And so we are kind of a business that is managing to take a little bit of everything and decide what makes the most sense. I think that that's the institutional outlook for Slack. Um, now, that doesn't mean that that's what Microsoft views, and, and, it, and it sounds like increasingly they are focusing on Slack as a major competitor. And the reason for that is, um, if, you, if you think about it, right, what we're using Slack for is messaging. We're using it for corporate communication, and what we're really doing is moving further and further away from email, which is kind of Microsoft's bread and butter and really like the easiest foundational piece of their enterprise software offering. Yeah, Microsoft obviously has the numbers here. They can probably <laughs> deduce which companies of the uh, which customers are there are using Slack. And as we said at the top of the show, once we started using Slack here at the Fool, the number of emails that we get in a given day internally uh, has just plummeted. Uh, so there's no doubt that that is a competitive threat to Microsoft because uh, Outlook is a major component of their Office 365 bundle. So it makes total sense that they see, they've seen that trend, they're worried about Slack, and they're doing everything they can to kind of build themselves up to be uh, a competitor and pushing teams. It makes complete sense. Yeah. And and if you're Microsoft, you like having the leverage of this huge bundle, right? And there's all this strength that comes from being able to say, well, uh, we'll be able to give you Outlook. We'll be able to give you access to all the scheduling that comes with that, all the email that comes with that. We can roll in some cloud stuff. You have the office suite. By the way, we have Teams, which is, we'll just throw that in for free and make it really similar to Slack, right? Um, there are all these ways that they can bundle, offer that strength and leverage. If email is weakened, I think the cornerstone of that enterprise offering winds up being a lot weaker. There's also a bit of history here, though, with Microsoft and Slack. And I, I think it's worth diving into a little bit, because while we have the core strategic elements of this, uh, it seems like there's also you know, a choice that management made a couple years ago that really solidified how they were going to be viewing Slack in the marketplace. Yeah, again, so if you rewind, so Slack was officially launched uh, in 2013, and uh, three years later, Slack had about uh, 2 million uh, users or so, and reports uh, surfaced that uh, Microsoft was interested in purchasing uh, Slack outright for a price of $8 billion, 
Woo! I mean, on two million users, uh, that sh- if that is true, that should tell you about how big of a threat they viewed uh, Slack being in the in the long term. Uh, ultimately, the deal didn't get through, uh, but Microsoft's management team, purportedly with Gates and Nadella, uh, really said, "Okay, this isn't going through. This is a long term threat. We need to create something that competes with Slack and fast." Yeah, and, and I think. To your point about how much they valued the competitive threat, I think Slack's valuation at that time was somewhere around three to four billion. So that sticker figure we're throwing out there about eight billion—that's a serious premium. Um, and had they bought them at eight billion in 2016, uh, their current valuation is like 18 billion. So you know it's possible that that would have actually been money well spent from Microsoft. But Bill Gates and Satya Nadella, I think, were two of the big ones who said, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us to buy this business. We can go out there with everything that we have already and wind up creating something that operates in this space and bundles so well into what we do already. Why go out and pay this premium? And we're at this point now, I think, with Bill Gates, where he's like soft and cuddly Bill Gates. You know, like <laughs> he's like giving money away. He's like doing all these like nice things. He's charitable. We're a little bit far removed from like killer instinct Bill Gates. And that guy still exists. I'm sure oh, yeah. he's out there. <laughs> um, Bill Gates, the Microsoft Bill Gates, is a ruthless uh, competitor, and he became the richest person on earth for a reason. In fact, if you look back through Microsoft's history, this isn't the first time that Microsoft has done something like this. I mean, anybody who was paying attention in the mid-1990s uh, noticed that uh, Microsoft completely ignored uh, the internet, and then Netscape kind of came to dominate the browser market, and then Bill Gates said, hmm, we should make a browser of our own, and they decimated uh, Netscape. They, they gave their browser away for uh, free. They leveraged their relationships with businesses and just absolutely took that market. It did end up going into uh, a legal action. And it's not out of the question, Dylan, that we could see a similar uh, fate uh, here. Uh, but I do think it's worth thinking out um, Worth pointing out something that Butterfield said as a retort, uh, because he is so used to this question, right? Uh, Microsoft is the eight bazillion pound gorilla in the room. They have relationships with basically every major uh, business on earth. There's no doubt that they've used that scale and those relationships to roll out teams so rapidly and so aggressively. And he he recently said this. Uh, he basically says, Teams has been a threat to us for the last three years, and yet our revenue has doubled and then doubled again. The idea that Microsoft could just crush Slack and go away uh, is false because if they could have, they would have. And I think he has a point there. We've still seen Slack growing. Uh, We've still seen the company having success. Customers are clearly spending more. So it's a little bit of a fallacy to automatically assume a big company can instantaneously crush uh, a little one, but that doesn't mean you should ignore the competition either. Yeah, I love this other quote from him. The small focused startup that has real traction with customers sometimes has an advantage versus the large incumbent that has multiple lines of business. And the, the point there, and I think this also ties back to how he views his business versus Zoom or something like that is hey, we're laser focused on this one thing and we're really good at it, um, that's a competitive advantage. You know, When you start getting into bundling, that means that everything needs to work together. There are probably some trade-offs that come along the lines because you want that interoperability and you want to be able to sell these things together and you want everything to move cleanly. Um, so, so having that narrow focus 
can be an edge. It also means that they're a lot more nimble. You know, they don't have to go through these huge corporate bureaucratic meetings in order to make things happen. They can kind of decide things on the fly a little bit faster. And I believe this is still true. I don't, I don't know if it's still true, but it was a couple months ago. Um, Slack has far more integrations than Microsoft Teams. And so, you know, if you're thinking about usage and, and being able to bundle other stuff into that product, you're, you're paying for them separately. But if you're thinking about, you know, usability and user experience, uh, Slack seems to be a superior product there. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you there. And to your point there, how many how many uh, video operators uh, were there before Zoom existed? I mean, tons. There was plenty of competition, and yet Zoom was really the first one to come to market with a uh, with a solution that actually worked. And you've seen how incredibly successful uh, the company has been. And we've seen this over and over in, in tech again. Facebook was not the first social network. Uh, Google was not the first search engine. But those products ended up winning out because they those companies were laser focused on them. So there is an argument there. Yeah, and and it would have been easy to say, well, you know, there's no way that this search engine business in in uh, California is going to come out and do anything in the face of Microsoft and this huge internet empire that they were able to to build with Internet Explorer. Well, it happened. You know, it would be easy to say, oh, well, you know, there's no way that Facebook could thrive. Look at how many people are already using Google products. They're just going to be able to layer something in. It still happened. And I don't know that Slack hits the ubiquity of some of these mega caps that we're talking about now. But I think if you if you offer a premium product and you offer a better experience, people are going to pay for it, especially enterprise accounts where you're not just using it as one person. You know, any benefits there are ones that are enjoyed over hundreds or thousands of employees. Let me ask you a question here, Dylan. Uh, we both, I think, like uh, we both love Slack. We like the product. Uh, I, we love founders. We love fast growth. We love high uh, retention rates, etc. What do you think of Slack the stock? Ooh, yeah. So uh, this was on a like I want to wait for a while type uh, spot on the bench for me. You know, when they debuted, I think their price to sales was was somewhere north of forty. You know, it was just a very rich valuation, kind of going back to what we were talking about before with, you know, there's a lot of a lot of hype around this. You know, a lot of people knew the name already and a lot of people have been waiting for this company to go public. Add to that the fact that it's a wildly profitable business model, that gross margin number you threw out there before, 85%. The retention rate was really high. That led itself to probably get a little ahead of where it should have been valuation-wise, and I generally like to see businesses, you know, trade publicly for a little while before buying in. Right now, it, it's been kind of like a lost year for them. You know, they they traded below where they were in terms of their IPO price. I think they're a lot more attractive on a valuation basis. Um, I think they're somewhere down in the kind of twenties now, which makes a lot more sense. You know, it's still rich, but it's a lot more palatable, especially for a software business. Um, I, I think that they're a pretty attractive business, especially if that dollar net retention number winds up staying around where it is. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Uh, uh, for, for me, I, I've always I've always felt that messaging is a hard thing to monetize. Uh, maybe that's just a bias that I have against them. I like I would so much rather uh, invest in a video company or an audio company or a company that does something else. I, I've always just thought that messaging is a is is so much easier to uh, commoditize. Uh, when you throw in the the, the competitive threat from uh, from Microsoft, I've never had uh, I, I haven't put uh, I haven't taken Slack seriously. Seriously, uh, as a company, but hey, this company reports uh, earnings uh, on June fourth, so just uh, just a few days from now. I'm sure we're going to learn a lot there, and I could see myself getting more interested if the numbers clearly show, despite Microsoft's best efforts, Slack is still having success. 
Yeah. And this is kind of one of those like pivotal moments for this type of company, right? They are one of those businesses that is uniquely positioned to do very well right now because, hey, we're like a highly decentralized business and we are using this product more than ever. You know, we've been able to continue our operations and do everything that we normally would be doing as a company, thanks in large part to Slack. You know, you can throw Zoom in there too, and Microsoft has helped us out a lot. But, um, this is highlighting the strength of their product. And if people don't get it now, they, it's, it's kind of harder to make a more compelling pitch than that. Um, the, the only thing I'll add, it seems like I'm slightly more bullish on Slack than you are, Brian, is I don't at all doubt their ability to keep customers. I think that the product strength is there, the platform is really great, and the, the, the lore of the story is that Slack is actually an acronym for searchable log of all communication and knowledge. And the idea here is basically the more you use Slack, the more valuable it is because you have these channels that retain all this institutional knowledge, it's searchable, it's easy for new hires to find and immediately have access to totally different story than when, than email. So I don't think they're going to have a hard time keeping customers, but I do wonder if Teams makes it harder for them to acquire new ones. That's really what I'm watching for this business. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And at 20 times sales, boy, do they still have to acquire new, new customers. So uh, whether you own it or not, I think it's going to be a great business story to follow for years to come. Yeah. Um, before we wrap, I want to take a listener question. Brian, earlier you mentioned industryfocus.fool.com. That's where we love getting emails. We like getting love there. I made I made a, a smoked lamb recipe over Memorial Day, thanks to one of our listeners, Tom, writing in with the recipe. Uh, and I think I posted that on Twitter for folks that wanted to see it. Uh, so not only do we take questions, but we also take recipes, thoughts, ideas, and, and listener love. Uh, we have one uh, from Manrique who writes in, Hey, IF team, thanks for the podcasts. I enjoy what you do and learn listening. I'm a regular follower of the podcast and a Rule Breaker subscriber. Thanks, Manrique. Uh, tech companies report acceleration or slowdown of app downloads per quarter, and I was wondering if there is a tool available to the public to track app downloads. Thanks. Um, and, and this is kind of a tough one, Brian, because there's a whole cottage industry built around industry analytics, market research, Unfortunately, a lot of that stuff is not available for free. Yeah, that's right. But there are some <laughs> there are some free resources that you can uh, look at to get uh, to get information. Uh, so a free and easy one for people to get to know is uh, App Annie. Uh, you can make a, a free account there to kind of learn uh, what apps are being downloaded uh, among, um, the, the most. I also reached out to um, our, our our tech expert uh, Tim Byers to ask if to, to ask him this question and see if it, he, he had any air. Uh, sources to uh, to pitch, and uh, he gave up uh, GitStar uh, dash rankings, which is an unofficial GitHub star ranking for users uh, and organizations. Uh, if you're into the database market and you want to check out a company like MongoDB or Oracle or Amazon and see which databases is winning, uh, db-engines.com is a source. And then there's another one called Stack. Overflow, where you can also get some uh, insights into what's happening behind the scenes. But to, if you want links to any of these, again, industryfocus at fool.com, we're happy to share. Yeah. And and what's unfortunate is with a lot of these free accesses, App Annie's one and uh, I think Sensor Towers another that are a little bit more consumer facing. The ones that you threw out there were kind of a little bit more in the weeds on, on the tech side. Um, you tend to get rankings. You don't tend to get download figures. And uh, that can be kind of frustrating. But a lot of those places will let you slice by app type. 
So if you're looking for gaming, if you're looking for news, if you're looking for um, maybe video conferencing or you know some form of enterprise communication, you can often slice that way and see who's rising in the ranks, who's falling in the ranks, and, and sort it by different timelines. Unfortunately, it can be really tough to get actual download figures because that's how a lot of these companies that report all this stuff actually make money. They they have people <laughs> that pay very expensive subscriptions for access to that information, Brian. <laughs> yeah, that's a that, that's a great point, Dylan. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you find, hey, if you find anything and you think we should be know of, please let us know. We would absolutely love to know that. Yeah. And uh, if you have anything else for us, like, like we're saying, just write into the show, industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. Brian, thanks so much for hopping on today's show and talking Slack, Microsoft, and apps with me. I always love it. Always fun, Dylan. Have a great weekend. <laughs> you too. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out, like I said, industryfocus at fool.com. And if you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. It's Friday. You know what that means. We're playing things out with checks and balances by full-time fool Burke Ingrafia. For Brian Froldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on. I've got a million dollars. It's hypothetical. Large amount in my bank account. It's parenthetical. The money I made of is theoretical. So in theory, I've got it good. My fat wallet is on a diet my balance sheet is lopsided my income statement is keeping silent but let's keep one thing understood i need checks i need balances life's a mess with financial challenges checks and balances when things get tough do you do it for money or do you do it for love my cold hard cash is soft and tropical my deep pockets are merely topical i hit the big time it was microscopical but don't you get it i am no fool i own a bank i call him piggy brought home the bacon he got a little wiggy cracked him open what a pity his inner life was pitiful i need checks I need balances, life's a mess With financial challenges, checks and balances When things get tough, do you do it for money? Or do you do it for love? I know a cheapskate always has a headache Trying to get something for free None more wiser is the miser Always lives in misery I'm cashing in on Triple coupons Soup kitchen's calling Saying the soup's on I sing for my supper And get my groove on I still know how to have fun I need checks I need balances Life's a mess With financial challenges Checks and balances When things get tough Do Or do you do it for love?
I know a cheapskate always has a headache Trying to get something for free None more wiser is the miser Always lives in misery I own a bank, I call him Piggy Brought home the bacon, he got a little wiggy Cracked him open, what a pity His inner life was pitiful Checks. I need balances, life's a mess With financial challenges, checks and balances When things get tough, do you do it for money? Or do you do it for love? Do you do it for money? Or do you do it for love? 